0: Coach Lead Show. We got a three pack today. This is Andrew. We got Coach Mel and Coach Austin from Fit Town joining us today. And today we're going to be talking about how certifications could actually make you a worse coach. And uh, this, this comes up a lot as we're, our focus with this Rockstar coaching course of what we're trying to help coaches do. And when we started to develop coaches at our gym, we started to hire, we had no system for hiring and training and we thought we were doing right by our coaches to help send them to certifications and for ourselves to go to these certifications. And then there was times where I would personally come back from a certification and try to apply what I learned and actually have a worse experience with an athlete or feel like the material was not connecting with those athletes. Or I would send one of our coaches to a certification and it might lead to resenting the group class or other issues that come up where this thing that I paid for and helped pay for actually was detrimental to this coach and our business and wasn't beneficial. So we're gonna dive into that today and what that could look like. Um, But I think probably the biggest thing with certifications is that it can, as coaches put too much value on the technical skills of coaching because it's very common for people to do a CrossFit level one or they do a, a NASM certification which tend to be very technical focus. And then from there they start to accumulate like a kettlebell certification, a Olympic lifting certification, uh, you know, maybe a mobility or yoga certification, gymnastics stuff. And all of those are almost always centered around the technical piece. And then as coaches, we think that's what other people want because that's what we want and that's what we nerd out on.
1: We're always trying to get better in our craft and our craft is, you know, a lot of technician, but I feel like it's hard to search for intrinsic skills of a coach and how to develop that. So, you know, it's not like I'm saying, hey, what's my next certification I'm gonna take? Procabulary? (laughs) Is that like sexy for a coach to take and have on their resume? People aren't walking into a gym going, do your coaches take vocabulary? You know, (laughs) they wanna know what physical skills. So in- in I also wanna
0: point out with that though, they also aren't really walking in saying, what Olympic lifting certifications they right, you right. do, And some coaches mistakenly think that, that that's going to be sought out. And it's like very, very rare. I mean, it happens every once in a while that people are actually like, oh, who's USAW or something like that.
1: Yeah. I think the one I actually hear the most, which is surprising to me, is like, are you AED trained and CPR certified? And you're like, of course, like. Yeah, I didn't think that was a bullet point on my resume that you would be interested in. I think the
0: one most for us is like birth fit and postpartum stuff. Like that's the thing we get asked about the most. And that's obviously we have a lot of young parents in our clientele. But like that's probably the thing that actually jumps out to me the most.
2: Yeah, I think it's funny because we are, you know, most of us if you're in this group space, you're in a very general space. And you can go to a cert like an OPEX programming certification where they just, Absolutely dial in on certain aspects of it like the energy systems, and you name it and Although you can take aspects of that bring it back and improve your craft, you can also jump off the deep end and make these you know moms and grandparents like kill themselves trying to hit these like certain goals that you feel like they should be able to obtain because that 's what you learned over the weekend and it 's a little tricky right because the, the certifications you go to or the courses you go to, the seminars you go to, like it kind of is their job to sell you on why their product is so good. Mm-hmm. And when you come home from those, you feel really excited. You're like, wow, I just learned so much. Like, this is what I want to focus on now. This is what I want to do now. And you basically forget anything else you had learned previously. When we were talking before this, I kind of like used like, the tool belt reference. Like, you know the goal of a coach or certifications in my opinion is like how many more tools can i keep adding to this belt but what i see or i see a lot of when you have these certifications is like you have a really good hammer and you go to a new certification you just take your hammer out and put a new one in and you never actually increase your capacity to like know more you're just replacing the knowledge and forgetting the old stuff yeah
1: and i, I think that people who come into our gym who are like looking for something specific are not looking for our product either I feel like what we keep forgetting is that we are a general fitness setting and most of us are general fitness settings and like when you're just dialing in that hammer and getting a better hammer and you're upgrading your hammer continually it's like Maybe that's that one coach that's like, I am the Olympic weightlifting specialist in this gym and they're so interested in that one focus. And there might be someone who walks in who wants to go to an Oli competition and wants Oli training, but we're not an Oli gym. So we only have that special certification for that one-off client that doesn't make us better for the 500 other people that we might serve when we're coaching daily, you know, every day. And I think that's really important to remember is that You know, they do sell you on it and you come home feeling like I just learned the best, most technical stuff. And then you're like, wow, none of this applies to Sally at 5 a.m. You know, none of this applies to Jim at 7 a.m. You know.
0: And I think that's where traditional certifications let coaches down is it's not explicitly stated enough that, hey, this environment that we're in, look around. Everybody else in here is a coach. Everybody else in here is paying money to take a a certification on this topic. And you can't, like you can't completely emulate the coaches that run these seminars. So I know a lot of us look up to like a CrossFit seminar staff or we look up to Danny Camargo who's running running us through this Olympic weightlifting. And there's things that we can take from those people. But if we try to one for one replicate the way they talk to us and the way they nerd out and stuff, it's not gonna translate the same way to the general public, so you have to realize that a seminar setting with coaches is different than a class setting or a one-on-one setting with a consumer, and how do we take this knowledge that we're gaining, this technical knowledge, and apply it to them, and I don't think, again, I think that's where certifications are letting us down, that should be explicitly stated in every cert, like, hey, look at this group, look who's around you, just know we're teaching it this way because we want you to have the ability to go really deep but here's what you can take and apply to the general person.
1: Well, I think, and that speaks to the gap that's out there in certifications is that there is no general fitness cert, you know, there's no real, you can, you can maybe call it a CrossFit level one, but it is the closest one, it is the closest, but it's still not totally generalist, you know, like, well, there's no, you can't just go, this is general functional fitness, you know? and. And so we've all had to blend all of these specialties in our own way. And I think that's what makes our product unique. But it also, it's what makes it so hard to seek that or interpret that when we come back in. We really have to, you know, work hard to make it fit. I think I'm probably the coach that you're talking about who's like, they go off to a cert and they come back and they're like, all right, I went to gymnastics and everybody's <laughs> turning the rings outward. And, you know, I'm trying to make people do iron crosses or whatever <laughs> it is, but it, you don't it's so hard to take that specialist mentality from the technician side of coaching and then go, well, this is the best way, I wanna better my athletes. What does that best thing look like for my athletes and who in my gym can I take to this level or has goals that align with that kind of level? And then who should I just like throw it out of the window for?
0: Yeah, let's, let's dive into that gymnastics reference that you brought up, because I think that's a great one, is this, the idea of a ring turnout. We, we have to realize that gymnasts are partially teaching us that because there's like an art to gymnastics. And part of an art is like pointed toes, ring turnout. It's like the beauty of the positions. But there's also a functional aspect to that, which is like external rotation of the shoulder, Deep lat, lat, lat engagement, engagement. right? And so like where we might apply that to a class, like we really apply it with a ring FLR. I've seen you apply this really well, Melissa, in your coaching of getting people to understand that this turnout is not just a turnout of the hand, but it's a, it's a rotation of the shoulder and engagement of the lat, and therefore that creates this ring turnout. And because the ring FLR is a static position where people are gonna be sitting there for a while, we push for that turnout and push for this higher level position. But if someone's doing strict ring dips in, the, uh, in a conditioning setting where they're going from cleans to bike to ring dips, We're not gonna push for that turnout unless we see excessive internal rotation. Then we'll push to neutral or maybe push to that slight turnout. But we're 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 starting to maybe connect the dots, but that that's really been on our under it's been on us to do. It hasn't really been connected for us in in enough ways.
1: And it's a really hard thing to translate in the group setting when you're trying to distribute that kind of information in class. It kind of gets dosed like one-on-one. And it's not great for all people, you know, like even in a static position like an FLR, there are people who aren't ready for <laughs> that yet. You know, they just need to get into, you know, a static position on the rings altogether and off the floor, who will talk about turning out the rings once you've done this, you know, for about a year.
2: Yeah. I also think coaches can take some ownership in this too. Like I think ego plays a big role in this. Like I went to this cert, I have this many certifications, like and you want to kind of like show off the knowledge that you have on let's just use Olympic weightlifting or gymnastics like you kind of want to prove to these athletes what you know but if you can't actually demonstrate or even communicate that to them it doesn't matter and I heard a quote a long time ago when I first started coaching is like if you can't explain it to a five-year-old you're not going to explain it to anyone so if I go to a cert and I've done some very high level certifications it's like how can I then Change it or rewrite it in my own brain to communicate it to someone that has zero idea about it. Because we all know what a snatch looks like. And when you talk about position one and the pull and yada yada, we all know what that is. But someone who comes into our gym has no idea and they probably actually don't care. Just make me move better, keep me safe, and progress me a little bit over time. Like that's all they care. So if you can make that sound really simple, I think that's where the magic is.
1: Yeah. Even us saying lat engagement, right. people are like, are these my lots yeah. and you're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's, let's take a step back and let's just talk about, you know, where I want you to feel this and touch them there and say this, you know, it, it's gotta be that translatable. Like you said, or you're just speaking over people's heads and then you kind of sound pretentious.
0: Yeah. The thing that's not said enough is like, why, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. You know? And and I, sh- I just wrote down some examples as I was outlining this podcast of like, you know, a hook grip, arching your back on a bench press, you go to a powerlifting cert, they're going to teach you how to effectively arch your back, you know, a false grip in a gymnastics certification and why you would want to learn that. And like, if you can't very clearly state why to each of your clients, and for some people that why might connect, you know, hey, you told me you, you have the goal of getting muscle up, so let's work on the false grip in a non-muscle-up setting on a ring row on a strict pull-up, strict ring pull-up and let's start to practice it because you have the ultimate goal to get a, uh, a ring muscle-up versus someone else who you know it's just not their, their goal might even be a strict pull-up at best they're not even thinking about a muscle-up for them to do false grip work it, it's insincere for you to try to explain a why to that because there's no why that would really line up for that person who has no aspiration to ever do a muscle-up you know, and I think that we've we've had the debate about the hook grip multiple times of like, if if someone says to me, this really hurts, and you're like, well, yeah, just keep doing it a lot, a lot, a lot, until eventually it doesn't hurt. And and then your why is like, well, you're gonna be able to potentially hang onto the bar longer in certain workouts, or you're gonna add 10 pounds to your snatch. It's like, that might not be relevant to someone, um, where, I mean, I could make a good argument for non-hook grip, which is like, this is gonna translate to improving your grip strength for everything you do inside and outside the gym. This is gonna enable you to carry more groceries, like to be able to do that in one trip, like, and you could say that to anybody. And I'm, I'm not against the hook grip, I just think that there's a lot of coaches that are like hook grip or die, and they force this on their clients, they have an ego about it. There's this little bit of, as Austin said, like almost showing off, they wanna provide value, but that value is being provided from ego, not being provided from what the client wants.
1: I think there's a, like a hierarchy in some people's minds too of like, this is what the elite of this do, therefore I want everyone to look like that. Mm-hmm. I want everyone to progress towards this standard and we have to be okay. Because I think part of me early on felt like if I'm a relentless coach, I'm going to get someone to see why they should be better than they are right now and not owning, I am just going to see where they want to be, not where I want them to be. You know, like I think everyone goes through that kind of bit of an evolution of like knowing who your athlete is, why they're here, what their goals are, instead of if I'm great enough, I can get this 65-year-old woman to do a muscle-up she want to do that does she have any desire to work towards that like i think there's like a really um juvenile place that coaches will come from in that of like i have these lofty goals for my clients that they don't have for themselves and kind of push towards that or have an ego surrounding of like i can be the one who gets people to all look to this standard or all go towards this elite level when realistically it's okay for other people not to hold those standards for themselves like there are some people who just want to hold their grandkids there are some people who just want to look good naked and they don't care a cent about a physical skill in the gym they just want to be lean so for those people is hook grip more important is 10 pounds on a snatch more important than just being in a bikini Absolutely not. So why would we ever press them to do something different? Like, why do they have a need?
2: I think to add on to that, um, at least from the certification standpoint is, you have to understand that when you go to a certification, they are professionals. And if you're talking in their sport, that's what I want to get out. If you're talking in their sport, they're teaching you how to get the best potential score for a sport, but we don't coach a sport we coach fitness and that's completely different. Now there's CrossFit games people like whatever, but like we don't coach them. <laughs> we coach normal people, grandmas, grandpas, uncles, you know, like you have to be able to take that framework because I think, you know, they do give you some good information, but if you don't interpret it to the people you're actually working with, it's just, it's just a waste of time. Like the arching on the back of a bench press, like Like, I'm fine with people arching just a little bit, but, like, if you've ever seen, like, a (laughs) world-class bench press, they are, you know, I mean, potentially they're in a suit, a body suit. They have a super wide grip. Their back, like, their upper back and hips are the only thing on the bench. Like, it's not a good position for, you know, a normal person to be in unless your goal was to try to be the best bench presser in the world. So I just, I try to look at it from that um, frame of mind, like, I have to understand what their job is, and if their job is mm-hmm. to teach this, their sport the best they can, like weightlifting, gymnastics, um, powerlifting, whatever, it, it's, it's for the elite, the top. The, this is how you get to that level. Like, most of our people don't care. And this is
1: where I would argue, because like, I, I love CrossFit Level 1. Level 2 was probably one of my favorite seminars because I felt like I got the most feedback of me as a coach but I still see like this is not the general fitness setting in terms of like they still teach the standards as like black or white it is or isn't. So the conversation we have on our coaching staff consistently still is a debate between like rx or scaled rx or the standard way something's written and even though we don't have an rx in our gym and we don't prescribe it sugarwad has that leaderboard and i still hear these conversations of like oh well i clicked scaled because i did a ring push-up but i walked it up to an angle and she shouldn't have put her score in because it was angled and i'm like but she did a ring push-up i don't care where her angle is She did a ring push-up. So what does it really matter in the general fitness setting? Like, I think things are like, it's not that she did a flat ground push-up or like a box push-up. She didn't do something besides the rings. She angled her rings. So why are we having this conversation when we're in the general fitness setting? She didn't change the movement from what it was. She just did a different degree of difficulty on it. That to me doesn't like... I don't I don't have like an emotional attachment over it. I, I still think that where CrossFit level one and level two kind of leads us astray is just, you know, being so specific on this not being a general fitness setting, but this having like a black or white or an arbitrary standard in terms of like movement and the technician side of things where it, it sends someone home thinking like, oh, if they don't squat below parallel, it's not even a squat or they don't, you know, have an overhead range of motion, they need squat therapy instead of X, Y, Z, instead of thinking about someone's overall shoulder health and someone's overall benefit to the workout of just maybe doing a front squat instead of an overhead squat. I think they get really like caught up in those black or white, is it or is it not this, instead of sending us to the healthy way of looking at it of like, it could this be, you know, moving someone's needle in a positive direction towards more fitness and not just saying like, oh, you're doing it or you're not doing it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so the onus is on the coach in a lot of ways and, and the gym to create this environment where we have this more like holistic general approach. Um, I wanna talk about some, where I've actually seen this specifically go off, Austin started to mention it, which this this happened with one of our coaches. We had him do OPEX, OPEX certification. And he basically came back like resenting the group class. Like, I know OPEX doesn't really think very highly of group. They're very partial to individual design. That's their kind of their holy grail. Um, And I actually like what OPEX teaches. I I don't really have anything against it, but I I do think that their negativity towards a group class is really misplaced because when you take a step back and you look at, okay, there's so many people that are not currently working out. They're not doing, they're, they're overweight, they're unhealthy. Okay. What's missing, what's going to actually get them to follow through. It's going to be an environment that they look forward to coming to that's supportive. That's, that's exciting for them. For some people that is one-on-one training, but we've found, and we, our experience has been that actually more people prefer the group and the group also a lot of times allows them to get in for a little bit lower price point. So you can get a lower barrier to entry for a lot of people. So, um, yeah, just when I think about something like an OPEX and sending someone to it, like actually I think Austin had asked about it before, like if there was something that I would recommend for him and I was like, I could see him getting a lot of value out of it because he's someone that has a lot of perspective and a lot of awareness and he can take what's good and fit it and get rid of what's not. You but might
1: I, send another coach down that rabbit hole. Exactly, there's, with there's probably
0: coaches in. on our current staff if I had to really think about it, that I'd be afraid that they would go down that rabbit hole and and if they're not rooted in a really good understanding of like like being able to take a step back and think about what it is we do and what purpose we serve and they can really understand how individual design can be super beneficial in that but the group can also be a great avenue and usually our best prescription is a combination of both then you know i'd be a little concerned
1: i think it i think it's really like it boils down to the individual client right so if i know a a ton more clients that come to our gym because the group fitness environment is their jam. They want to come and socialize. They want to come and work out in a partner workout next to their friend. I also know people who do not show up on partner workout days because they're they are like terrified of that kind of experience of like being cohesive with someone else or having their workout depend on them that might be a better fit for one on one training so yeah. you have to look at every individual and their needs and I think that's where a lot of coaches will go wrong and not bring a, a different perspective into a certification like that of just looking at looking at the the sell of that OPEC certification they're meant to sell you their product too and they get so sold that they're just like no there's no way anyone can ever benefit from group class because it's only for the group and it's not for the individual and no one benefits
2: yeah I was going to piggyback off you but then you kind of said at the end like I, I don't think this is just certifications although it applies I think it's the fitness industry as a whole have like there's this weird of like good or bad? Which one are you? you if you do what we do, we're, you're good. If you do what they do, you're, you're bad. It's like, no. Like You can get fit and healthy doing anything. You can do Zumba. You can just dance in your living room. You can take walks and you can get fit. You just have a different flavor. You have different opinions on certain things, which is fine. I want everyone to have opinions and we can use those opinions to make a better system for someone
1: some people like martial arts right <laughs> as their fitness like it's clearly something that we're not serving but we're also not competing with it in terms of that's what's going to make them fit and make them engaged and make them come back to chase those kind of skills and belts and that's what works for them so go get fit there
0: right yeah another example i want to share is on the nutrition coaching side is uh, the example i thought of was like coaching macros where a coach can have success with macros, and have success with some clients doing macros, and then they think that, again, this is the holy grail, and that everyone should be doing their macros, which to a certain degree, I agree with. I think everyone at some point should track their macros, even if it's for at least seven days. But if you get distracted from what really creates behavior change, what really the habits necessary to sustain long-term results, yes there's going to be a handful of people that might just track every day for the rest of their life because that's just how their brain works but for a lot of people their goal is to track macros to get the skills and the tools to eventually not have to track macros and to still sustain the results and if you're overly focused on the numbers then you lose sight of the behaviors
1: i've also seen i think probably nutrition is one of the ones where i've seen people get the most almost like bullheaded or like strong-willed of like no, I know this is going to work for you. You've got to find out a way to make it work mm. and, and like go down that macro kind of pushiness. Like I've, I've had it happen Yeah, it could happen, it could
0: happen with like keto. And I think it's, it's less likely in our setting because like I don't see a lot of people doing keto certification, but it could happen with any
1: diet. Right. And, and I think where, where it people get so like results driven or, you know, they know this one thing has worked so well for so many people, they don't take a step back. And and I've seen it happen with specifically with macros and disordered eating of like, there are clients that you don't want to push in certain areas for certain reasons, and they will not separate that and look to the individual. Just like we're saying about, you know, group program design and, and looking at that individual and is this working for them or not, or is this good for them or not? and saying like hey this is probably going to perpetuate your disorder and make you a little bit mental about if you're checking this box every day so this would not be a great fit for you let's try something different
0: cool so i want to wrap up on just talking about the rockstar coaching course a little bit for those that are interested this is why we created the course like we saw this happen with our coaches we went to develop Members that wanted to turn coaches or coaches we were hiring locally or out of state and it's like what is the system that we're going to use to develop these coaches? What are the things that we want to teach them and how do we actually set them up where they can we can gladly send them to an OPEX to a kettlebell certification and know that they're actually going to come back a better coach because they have the right framework to filter this information through so that rockstar coaching course we focus on these roles, we focus on the cheerleader, the director, we focus on the ability to connect with your clients, to be able to organize and create lesson plans, to run a group through a well flowing functional class, to be able to explain the why, right? And then also to technically coach, but understanding that the technical aspect is just one thing of what we do as coaches, it's not the thing, the only thing, and we're gonna keep sharpening that tool like we still want to get better in those areas. If you guys have seen our Care Coach Lead YouTube channel, we do nerd out on the nuances of movement, but we also don't do it at the expense of the relationship, the the experience of a class and, and being organized and clean and flowing well, and, and being able to detail out the why and connect those dots for
2: clients. Yeah, the only thing I would add on that is, kind of going back to what I said about good or bad, like. I don't think certifications are bad. Like, I don't think you going to learn something new is ever bad. Like, as long as you can wear the right lenses and, you know, filter out what you want and what you don't want, like, and clearly come out of that with, like, wow, I can take this, this little nugget that I learned, and actually impact some people with it while keeping the other stuff you've learned. Still intact because that's how you progress. You're just stacking stuff. You're not erasing and you know recreating yourself because there's not one seminar in this world that's going to like completely alter everything and make you like the greatest coach of all time. Like there's people who go and get PhDs in you know whatever exercise science who probably are terrible coaches when it comes down to it. But if you looked at their certifications, you'd be like, wow, that's like the most highly qualified person I've ever seen. Um, which is why I actually appreciate the Rockstar coaching course just because of that it, it allows you to take the information you can learn from said courses we've explained over this this podcast and interpret them in a way that can actually help you grow as a coach and not change you as a coach I guess is yeah yeah put
1: it. It, it definitely fills in all of the gaps you know every certification has this little this little twinkle of what we've done with the rockstar coaching course you know they'll they'll say like you know it also takes you know people don't know
2: how much you care like
1: people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care but no one's teaching you how to care and you it seems like such a silly thing to say like oh we're you know we can teach you how to care but there are concrete ways to get better at delivering a care for a client just like a nurse or a doctor need bedside manner A coach needs that presence and attitude that they talk about. And developing that takes repetitions. It takes practice. It takes guidance. You know, it takes, um, you know, reflecting and saying, like, did I go about this the best way or not? And I don't think enough coaches know how to take the time to do that. And I think what we've done really well with the Rockstar Coaching Course is give them tactics and tools to say, like, okay, I haven't been doing this to my best of my ability and how can I get better at it? Where are my gaps? Where, how can I fill them? And kind of like self-reflect and look at those places.
0: Yeah, do it for themselves instead of always needing that outside next seminar or even their head coach at their gym to be that person for them. They can develop themselves just based on how their clients respond to what they're doing for them. Awesome. Let's wrap up there guys. So if you guys are interested in learning more about the Rockstar Coaching Course, you can head over to our website care-coach-lead.com or you can just send me an email andrewatfittown.com or connect with us on Instagram or Facebook. So thank you guys for listening. We'll see you in the next one.